You're listening to a podcast from Blogging Heads TV. Hi, Mickey. Hey, Bob. How you doing? Okay, we got a Madison Cawthorn situation here, Bob. Is that Madison Cawthorn? It looks like no. Elon Musk. It's Elon Musk. Oh, wait, but, do you um, have votive candles or something? What are those? It's it's a it's another shrine situation, shrine. Bob. Mm-hmm. Who was my last shrine to? But this is this shrine is to Elon Musk. I forget who, who was your last shrine. I forget. <laughs> but this it might have been to Elon Musk too. But um, I don't think so. Uh, anyway, yes, it's our savior, Elon Musk. Yeah, I'm really excited about this. Well, why aren't you? Damn it! Why don't you take me at my word when I say I'm excited about something? I'm excited about it. Are you as excited as Elon Musk is? He looks pretty excited here. He's excitable. Just, just, um, just follow his Twitter feed if you don't believe. It's, me. The, the, did you did you see the video of uh, David Sachs? I guess his name is. Uh, uh, he's in the, he's in this all in podcast with Chamath, blah, 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 who's from turns out it's from Sri Lanka, not India. Um, Thanks for clearing he's, that he's up. A, he's a defender of of Musk and points it very clearly that they were censoring and he's going to change things and it's a it's you know it's a hard it's a hard long hard slog but he speaks very clearly about it in a way that contrasts with barack obama's mealy mouth high class oh we need to uh have some classy form of censorship where the government advises people on their algorithms um it's just a, it, you know musk might not succeed he, he probably won't succeed but uh you know, he'll at least tell us what was going on with Twitter in a way that uh, might reassure people. And uh, I don't know, I'm all for it. And I'm, uh, I'm waiting for my Twitter bump, Bob. You know, everybody, everybody on right. these, these the, big the, right-wing people are- Right, the, left, followers. the left is losing followers. And I did lose about a hundred right after this. And uh, you are supposed to gain them, but you haven't gained uh, them? Where'd I gained about eight. I gained about eighty-five. Okay, and I'll be very upset if I was not shadow banned. I mean, my my, my working face-saving theory is, I you know I'm I'm not an obvious. The, the way they used to ban me is a sort of a more subtle algorithm, so they haven't really gotten down to to shredding the subtle algorithms and throwing them out the window. They're only they're only like a. You know they're they're freeing people like Dana Loesch, who's gaining millions of followers, and Ann Coulter, who's gaining followers. But you know me, they'll they'll get to it eventually. But now, when you say the, the way banning you, is very complicated, in my when case. you say the way you've traditionally been banned, this is I assume conjectural on your part, and there's no actual evidence, and you're probably hallucinating. Correct. Okay. I'm Thanks. I'm 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 uh, I I just I'll just my whole identity is that I'm shadow banned by these people, and if it turned out they're treating me fairly. That would be That'll a big be a disappointment. Big shock to the system. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't. You look. I mean, he could be an improvement. I. I think. I, I'm not. Well, I, I'm not worried about his censorship policy, except in a couple of senses. One is I don't want the platform destroyed, and I think this challenge is bigger than he realizes. Uh, and I think there is a risk of. If there's no, if there's no policing at all, 
uh, it becoming such a cesspool that everyone's driven off of the platform. I don't want to see that happen. I, I don't want to see the platform collapse. And then the, the other concern of mine, which I think I expressed the week you were off, uh, is that he'll just, he'll just try weird shit. And because he's that kind of person, I think, to just take a flyer and, hey, let's try this. Uh, and it, it could have very destabilizing effects. I mean, you know, Facebook did this kind of thing intentionally where they would like ruin your whole business model overnight. And all the time you'd put you'd, into building up your following would be wasted. Like when Facebook started doing this pay for play thing and, 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 and you know, uh, I had this Facebook page with like 25,000 followers associated with my online Buddhism course. And suddenly Facebook said, would you like to boost your post? Well, then you pay us money. And what they didn't say is, oh, by the way, we are now throttling your posts unless you boost them. So suddenly you had no way of communicating with your own followers. Now that was intentional and strategic. And it's because, you know, Zuckerberg is a sleaze. And, but in, in Musk's case, I worry about things that, I mean, are, are intentional, but are kind of less clever <laughs> that don't work out from anyone's point of view. He just tries them. They screw things up. And eventually, who knows, maybe the platform collapses or maybe it's just yeah. you just lose a ton of followers yeah. or suddenly, I, I don't know. I just worry about the guy's seeming instability and flightiness and impulsiveness. Well, I mean, he, you know, he he put the four astronauts in the space station yesterday while all this was going on. He has a history of trying things and if they don't work, he jettisons them and he keeps the things that work. So he couldn't put couldn't put those people up there if if he was trying something that didn't work. Uh, my worries yeah, are a little. By different. the way, have you been in touch with that guy who was uh, driving a Tesla and was watching the Harry Potter movie and was decapitated while he was watching it? No, because he's not <laughs> talking anymore. He's not happy. He's not happy about the, the the fact that they called this thing autopilot, which could give you the impression that you can relax and watch a Harry Potter movie. But it wasn't that big. And the autopilot thing is incredibly irresponsible. The autopilot thing is incredibly irresponsible, but so far, knock on wood, he's doing better than uh, than NASA did in terms of losing I mean, astronauts. I do think he doesn't understand what's in store for him. I I also wonder. It's not totally clear to me what his motivation is. There's also this weird financial thing, which is that he's put himself in a kind of precarious situation. Financially. I, I didn't buy any of that. Uh, for, Tesla stock went up again a little today. It's not doing that badly. He has a whole lot of it. He said he stopped selling it. The, the key point that this guy, David Sachs, made is Twitter has 8,000 employees. It only really needs 2,000. So he can generate a lot of capital flow to pay off his debt just by firing three quarters of the staff, uh, which is uh, sort of, you know, he he has slimmed down operations before and he's perfectly capable of doing that. And and that generates a shitload of money. So I don't think well, he's it, financially it, precarious. It better because my understanding is that he both now has 12 or $13 billion of debt and uh, Twitter has that. And Twitter just to service the debt would have to maintain, I mean, all the profits if it's been making annually would be about enough to service the debt. Uh, so first of all, He's got to he's he's got to boost 
Twitter's earnings and that's certainly doable because I think it's been running by like not super genius people, but he also has this ideological agenda. He, he, he himself says, I'm not in this for the money, basically. Well, if you're not in it for the money. If, if you're well, not really the- focused on earnings, you could get into trouble. And then there's the, the debt he's got that has a whole separate but related set of, set of uh, complications. Well, the, the ideological agenda is, is basically just to end the bias against conservatives, uh, which is, you know, firing, firing 6,000 of the people who do that is a, a good head start to that. And it doesn't, it doesn't really involve pushing an agenda of his, it's just allegedly stopping the bias. And this is what I worry about, though. Um, there's a startling fact about Twitter, which I didn't realize. Twitter is Dem plus 43. That means they're 43% more Democrats than Republicans, which is gigantic. It means like it's it's like, you know, uh, uh, 70, 30. You mean among 40. Twitter users? Among Twitter, the people yeah. who were on Twitter, yeah. Well, that's so, probably, that number probably grew uh, when Trump left. Uh, could be. Uh, the uh, Anyway, the, the, the I, I realized, I talked about um, uh, last time about how, how the, the, the Democrats, the liberals are happy to talk to themselves. The, the conservatives are desperate to break into the conversation of the liberals because the liberals control the media and they're the people they want to, to, uh, to influence. Otherwise, the conservatives would be happy on Gab, which they're not. Um, so uh, what I worry about is we were at this weird, you know, th- this guy, David Atkins, who's a crazy, uh, irresponsible liberal, I think. But, uh, you know, occasionally we have a productive discussion uh uh said you know you you conservatives just want uh liberals to hang around so you can harass us and i thought yeah that's basically right uh that is that was my model in the early days of of twitter when we had this weird ecological situation which may never be replicated again where all the mainstream liberals were on twitter their companies were telling them to be on twitter they felt they had to be on twitter to establish their brand, and they had no way of sort of ignoring you. They didn't have the blue check mark where they could say, "You don't have a blue check mark. I, I can't see your tweets." Uh, and they sort of have—you could sort of grab them by the ankles and force them to respond to you in a way that was unprecedented in American society. That some nobody out in the sticks could get like Maggie Haberman to respond to uh, to to a point they had to make, and you could troll them or you could not troll them, but it was. It, that that has gradually gone away, uh, it, and there's very little reason for the liberals to sort of stick around if they're going to be harassed by conservatives. They don't they 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 don't need us anymore. They don't think they have to be on Twitter. Their companies are telling them to get off Twitter. The New York Times is saying, you know, don't pay attention to your Twitter account. Um, and so I'm now desperate that the liberals are going to leave, and I think Musk has to be desperate, and I think he is sort of showing signs that he really doesn't want them to leave. And uh, so I think everybody on the right has to be really nice to the liberals and stop trolling them and engage them in productive conversation. Uh, and I'm that'll, sort of that'll appalled. probably happen. I mean, now that you're I'm encouraging sort of, it, I think that'll probably happen. I think so. I'm, 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 I'm sort of appalled by how I treated poor Jake Tapper back in the day. Um, Wait, what's the worst thing you said to him? Well, it was... I didn't. He. I, I said you had the show. 
on immigration, it had five, it had four uh, supporters of amnesty on it. Uh, how is that fair? And he said, I take your point. I, I didn't know what I take your point meant. I thought I take your point meant. I understand your point. It, it meant I'm trying to make you feel guilty and, uh, and apparently it worked. No, it, it really, it really means I understand your point. And then he said, then he said, uh, I don't know what Gloria, Gloria Borger thinks about immigration reform. It was a surprise to me that I had four amnesty supporters. Which, yeah, which 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 completely drove me insane because we can't afford researchers at CNN. Is, sorry, no, I, nothing. Go ahead. I should have said you don't know what Gloria Borger th thinks, but I think I know what Gloria Borger thinks, and it's obvious what Gloria Borger thought. So I, I went on a performative thing where I said, "Oh, so the host of this show thinks that it's okay to have four amnesty supporters," and he wrote me a, a DM saying. When did you become a troll? I I said I took your point. So and, you um, knew him. You knew Jake Tapper going back a ways or something. No, I mean, I'd run into him at conventions and things. He's a nice guy. Was he at Salon before he was at CNN? Yeah, he famously dated had a date with Monica Lewinsky. Hmm. Oh, I know. He took he got me into a party once at a convention. Hmm. He's a charismatic guy. He has a posse. Who knew? Posse in the sense of friends who follow him around to parties. Um, as he did then. He's incredibly talented. Anyway, I felt guilty. I think we should be nice to liberals. I think everybody will now be nice to liberals. Uh, I don't think people are as nasty in, anymore, actually, uh, as they were in the beginning. Uh, so Depends that's on my your fear. issue. Depends on your issue. That's my fear. There, it, it, and there, it, it, you know, uh, I, I've, uh, I've seen a lot of nastiness lately. There, there was, um, oh, sure, yeah. There's... Um, We'll get to that. The, uh, there's there was this article uh, in, I guess, the Atlantic and the three ways that uh, Musk might go. And one way was, you know, your way of trying things and breaking them and, and fucking up and, uh, you know, and, 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 and being like Zuckerberg. Uh, another no, way I don't mean like Zuckerberg. I mean, kind of worse in a way, more, more, more random long shot destabilization. Right, right. And one, one way was like the dark fascism. Which is which won't work because all the liberals would just leave, so that won't work. And the third way was he's going to take Twitter back to 2016 before we decided we had to do a lot of content moderation. And I thought, yeah, 2016, that was the last time Twitter was any good. Those were the golden days when uh, well, when, was Ev, when Ev Williams was running the place, and when Ev left, uh, John, I remember John Podhorst tweeted saying. You people don't realize that everything you like about Twitter is about to disappear. And he was right. Twitter took a huge turn for the worse. If we went back to 2016, that would be great. So wait, Ed Williams was doing a great job? The Twitter Twitter had its golden period uh, under Ed Williams, and the golden period it ended when they decided there was too much harassment and un the, the, the woke people took over and uh, and decided to start censoring things. Yeah. Listen, I mean, it's not obvious they censor things. They admit that they can shadow ban. So I don't know what the, you know, what the fuss is about. I don't want to out name drop you, but I had coffee with Ed Williams a couple of years ago, right before the pandemic in New York. I mean, since you did bring up this Jake Tapper's thing, I just would just, I just wanted to That's, point that out. That he's a billionaire. Can you believe that? That Ed Williams is, yeah. B billionaire with a B. Totally. He I, paid for, I, I he knew paid him for when the he was, coffee, man. I I knew him when I knew him when. Uh, I didn't know him. I saw him on a panel 
in LA when he was just a little blogger starting a trying to start a software company called Blogger to to help bloggers blog. Well, it worked, right? Was it Blogger or Blogspot? But he had he, it was he Blogger. Got, it worked okay. It wasn't that big. Well, it led to bigger and better things. I mean, that that that, yeah, helped, that. that helped launch him. He had a series yeah. of no. Of anyway, and he, I, I think he was a, basically a force for good. And then and then you know then we started to worry about you know. Would some Hollywood celebrity be offended? And oh, we have to worry about that and censor people. Yeah, my sense is that he does not have especially high regard for his successors at Twitter. I mean, he worked with these with these guys, but I didn't. I, uh, and I, I don't mean he confided this in me. That's although well, they, maybe they're, they're getting did. progressively worse and worse. I mean, the, the the people that run Twitter now are awful. There's this guy. They 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 have a a, a principled commitment to censorship. Now, one question is like. What is Elon's actual motivation here? I mean, uh, a, a possibility that occurred to me today is he wants to become the next Trump of Twitter because, you know, already, of course, his tweets got a lot of attention. But now that he owns Twitter, he's just like Trump. I mean, he just tweets something. And of course, this is an especially sensitive period of time when we're trying to figure out what he's going to do. But it definitely magnifies the impact of his tweets that he's running Twitter. And... That the other thing about him is you have to admit, well, go ahead. Well, what's your. That's Ezra Klein's theory. Ezra Klein had a, I think, completely wrong headed column, which made two points. One is that Twitter was no good. Uh, it was like a gamified discourse. And I say I'd rather have a gamified discourse than be spoon fed the party line by Voxen. So take that. Uh, and the other thing, uh, I mean, you know, he, he had a chance to start his form of discourse and it sucked. It's Vox. Twitter is much better than Vox in terms of in, well, Vox was like entertaining a media and, and informative and turning you on to new things. Vox just Vox just tells the sheeple sheeple people who read it everything they need to know to so they keep agreeing with the party line. Well, Occasionally, was, a puppet. It was a media there, but... outlet with an ideological identity, like so many others. But uh, Elon. It, anyway, anyway, the uh, second thing he thinks he thinks that Elon is going to taint. He's going to tweet. He's a his Twitter presence is going to be so oppressive that he's going to taint the whole site and liberals aren't going to want to tweet and give him free labor on the site anymore. Uh, and it's just going to, you know, destroy the whole thing. I don't think it's that easy for people to walk away from Twitter. You know, it, it does have a lot of positive network externalities, which is to say the more people are on the network, the more valuable it is to you. And there are a lot of people in the network and it's just not easy for them to mass migrate to another platform. You know, if I go to some other platform, where's all my followers? Where's the people I want to follow? They're not there. So it's a, it's, a, it's a very, you know, people can say I'm going to quit on principle. You know, they say that a lot, but social networks are particularly hard to quit from. I, I agree, although I'm not, I, I don't know if the liberal blue check big shots need to be on Twitter anymore. Of course they do. Are you kidding? They need it more than we do. We're, we're not getting any damn attention on Twitter. Why are why we does, there? That's why does question. Maggie why Haberman need to be on Twitter? Because uh, one of her, the primary sources of value of her to the New York Times is that she can publicize her piece. She can drive traffic to her pieces through Twitter. She did, it, it, they, Journalists I think increasingly to, are hired on the basis of their Twitter following. I think they've tried to rein her in because her tweets are actually much more informative than her articles because they don't go through the editors who tone them down. Classic example was uh, she she tw she tweeted about Trump having this fight with the Club of Rome 
who were endorsing a different candidate in Ohio than J.D. Vance. And there was an exchange where Trump ended up sending a, a tweet to the head of the Club of Rome saying, go fuck yourself, okay? Go fuck yourself was in her tweet, but they took it out of the article, okay? Well, of course. You're much better off reading her tweets. And 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 they sort of don't like it. You yeah, don't have to she pay. totally drives traffic to the art. You don't have to Times. pay for her tweets. You have to pay for the New York Times. Yeah, but she uh, drives traffic to the Times with the tweets. I'm not so sure she drives that much traffic to the Times with the tweets. Oh, totally. And and, and the the uh, I mean, people aren't leaving Twitter and staying at the big media outlets. They're leaving the big media outlets because now Substack lets them monetize their Twitter feeds. That's how much traffic Twitter. Uh, uh, drives like like this guy speaking of Vox, this guy Aaron Ruper, who is like a, a menace, a total public menace, completely unscrupulous, you know, Twitter follower amasser. Uh, he's he's at Vox. He's got his Substack. I'm sure he's making a ton of money because you know he he's he's a menace. But that reinforces my point that people don't need Twitter; they're going to Substack. No, no, no. He needs. Tw he ain't leaving Twitter. He left Vox. He's got to have Twitter. That's what drives the subscribers to his Substack. Um, Twitter's, I guess big, even if I, Twitter's I, I, big strategic mistake, first of all, was not becoming Substack, not providing aspiring journalists and existing journalists a way to monetize their Twitter feed. I wrote a piece on Slate that kind of halfway pointed the way to this. I didn't say become Substack. It, it was it was more like I said, create your own version of Medium and connect it to Twitter, but. That's what they should have done. Anyway, no, I'm From telling your you. your lips to Elon Musk's ears. He it's, a little, it's a little, well, he could. He could. He should read the slate piece. Um, but uh, I, don't, I don't know Elon. Although I did, as I told you, I interviewed Elon, me and him, like up kind of on stage, so to speak, except in a very salon-like environment. It was so long ago that there's no video of it. There he is. Oh. Elon, what's up, my brother? Oh, this was you and him alone on the stage? It was like it was such an intimate setting that was me and him alone on on two bar stools with maybe 30, 40 people at tables. It it was uh I, I'm telling you, I literally had to Google him. I was Jeffrey Epstein there? <laughs> no. This was a long time ago. There's no video what, of it. What, had he started Tesla? Was he, had, he still like and PayPal? I had heard of I had heard of Tesla, Where? but he hadn't become this big celebrity. Yeah, okay. I think I had um, heard of Tesla, but I honestly I'd never heard of him. And I and I I talked to him for you know an hour. He's a super nerdy weird guy. Uh, he convinced it, me he's a genuine nerd. He's a you talked to him, nerd. and you were the performers for these other people. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um. But by the way, I have a money making opportunity for you related to this. Don't forget it. Okay, I won't. Um. But um. So what? What's so terrible about Aaron Ruper? I missed that. I blanked. Oh. I mean, I'll give you just a recent example. Uh, like uh, Rand Paul, this is uh, actually, I wrote this up in the issue of the non-zero newsletter that will go out today. And by the way, public service announcement, non-zero newsletter is taking the month of May off. If you're a paid subscriber, your credit card will not be charged during May. And uh, I will, I will talk in the parrot room about what people who get it through the parrot room uh, top tier can do to, Believe uh, the financial burden of of uh, of a month, but anyway, back to uh, the uh, so Rand Paul, 
you know, went before the Senate and was having this uh, argument with Tony Blinken. Blinken was the witness. Paul was interrogating him. Uh, Blinken, you know, made the audacious suggestion that perhaps uh, the issue of letting Ukraine into NATO had something to do with Putin's decision to invade. Now, as I've written before, the blob is devoted to squashing this talking point. And if you even bring it up, you get accused of uh, being a, a Putin uh, sympathizer and reciting his talking points and stuff. And of course, this predictably happened to Rand Paul. But the uh, anyway, the role that Aaron Rupert plays it, there was a separate thing where, uh, aside from making this assertion, um, Rand Paul said, uh, uh, you know, Blinken said, well, if you look at countries that Russia attacked, these were countries that were not part of NATO. Paul says, well, you could also argue the countries they've attacked were part of Russia. I mean, the Soviet Union, rather. Okay, so he corrects himself yeah. right away. Within a nanosecond, Aaron Ruper tweets it without the correction. Okay, so he's got uh, Blinken saying his thing. Rand Paul says you could also argue the countries they've attacked were part of Russia. And, and, and then uh, Ruper says whatever he says. Uh, and uh, so Rupert gets 3,000 retweets, 15,000 likes. This is just classic him. It's just classic him. Now, right. also, he's got this great excuse, which is that he did embed the video in the tweet. So he could say, well, I showed them the video or, or something or, or, you know, whatever. But of course, 90% of the people who retweet aren't looking at the video and they're thinking he said Russia. That's, that's Aaron Rupert. Sounds like misinformation to me. Well, Perhaps yeah, disinformation. Yeah, I mean, again, it's not the kind of thing you, you know uh, Elon Musk should be policing uh, in in either of our views. But uh, it's 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 an example of how Twitter is problematic. It, it, look, it'll be interesting to see if if uh, Musk does anything about Twitter aside from policing to solve some of its problems. You want my next genius idea for him? I'm sure you're giving it away here. Go ahead. It's the kind of guy I am. Um, so he has said he wants to, uh, open, to open source the algorithm, you know, put, make it transparent, which would be great. Apparently that's also more complicated than he thinks, you know, he's a tech guy, but he's not a computer guy. Um, uh, but, but still I, I, what I like is the idea of, you know, giving, uh, yeah, making, creating a so-called API, which would let people build software on top of Twitter. So if somebody wants to come along and say, um, you know, give, give, offer to me, Bob, the opportunity to have an interface on Twitter where I have a, a slider that says, I wanna hear less about the mind body problem, or I wanna see fewer tweets that raise my blood pressure, whatever they can do, whatever, it, it's up to you. Each, each, you know, company can come up with its own interface, try to sell it. Now the business model is, Twitter charges these companies uh, at least something maybe to even use the API, but then but then gets a piece of the action of, of their sales. Okay. So these companies, like if they if they've got a great interface that people like, yeah, this is the way I want to control Twitter. My this is where I want to, this is this is the algorithm I want. In other words, it's like choose your own algorithm. I think I hate this idea. This is a recipe for self-cocooning. The whole well, point we'll of see. a public, we'll see. This is the whole point of one of the points of the public square, I realize, 
is when you go to the public square, you're forced to at least briefly confront ideas you don't like. You can walk away, you can say, oh, fuck this, uh, or you can engage, but you're forced to know that at least that they're there. And this is a recipe for avoiding that. So people only hear ideas they already agree with. Well, can I just remind totally defeats, you? Totally defeats the purpose of having a public square. So terrible can idea. I, can I just remind you that the original Twitter model was you only see the tweets of people you follow. Okay. That's a cocoon, right? And things they retweet. That's true, but that's still like a big cocoon. Now, and, and that's still fundamentally the case. You can build your own cocoon. All you sure, have to do but why is, make it is, easier? is mute the people you don't like one by why one. Why make it easier? The blue check mark, the first thing they'll say is, hey, let's have a button where you can only listen to blue check marks. Well, that's that's what that's what the, what the first problem of all, is. The, I, all I'm saying in this case, I'm not saying this will save the world. I'm saying it's a good business model. He can make a lot of money. You're you're getting a P, you're getting royalties on every customer for every company that uses your I API. I don't care if Elon Musk makes more money. He has plenty of money. I worry about I worry about his wealth. And, um, and I, it keeps me up at night. And I'm just trying to do what I can. <laughs> but the uh but let me say, I think the jury's out on whether this would make Twitter a better place or worse place. Uh it has it ain't working now as a public square nearly as well as almost any of us would like. Um, so we'll see. Anyway, I claim it worked pretty well back in back in the day, 2016. It yeah, made, before the algorithm. You know, there was a pre-algorithm day in right, Twitter. Right. You, what you saw, and, and with Facebook, what you saw was what your followers tweeted and what they retweeted, and that was it. If they, right. liked, if they liked something, you didn't see it. Uh, and you just saw it all in chronological order. You were 100% in control of, of the, quote, right. algorithm. And it was when they were about to change this that I wrote my piece for Slate that has the, uh, the, the that Elon should uh, read if he wants to become, you know, truly wealthy. Let's let's go back to that day. I, I, I do note that Mark Andreessen and this guy, Sachs, who you should really watch his, his appearance on the Will Cain show, uh, they know they do know computers, and they don't think Musk is is uh, they don't think it's a futile effort by Musk. Uh, you know, yeah, Dreesen you know tweeted yesterday. There is no algorithm; it's a series of nested codes with human intervention. Right. Well, you know, let's find out what the human intervention is, and let's change that. I mean, it, it's uh, no, you, you it, could you could still you could do the API. That's definitely feasible. You you can basically. You could do the let people buy, subscribe to their own version of the algorithm thing if you wanted to. Now, that's not apparently what Elon has. In, I, I don't know exactly what he has. I don't know what he means by open source. He certainly doesn't mean, well, anybody can add to the code. You know, anybody can, any anybody out there can change the algorithm that governs everyone's feed. I, so I, I don't even know exactly what he means. That's that's a very good, the wiki Twitter. Yeah, just wiki Twitter, wiki algorithm. Let, let, Let's let, do it. Let, 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 let the people decide. What the algorithm every says. day is different. <laughs> the uh, so we missed an obvious transition to Ukraine, but yeah, with Aaron Rupert. But here's my thing um, we're now at we're now at the stage where two things are happening. One is uh, the US is sort of amping up its war aims. It used to be we just want Ukraine to be a sovereign state, now we want to weaken Putin. And uh, Walter, Me you know Walter Mead, uh, who I respect, says, uh, "Well, but if and if we uh, if we really 
defeat Putin, it will cause a Suez moment where the Russians will reappraise their long history of imperialism and, uh, and, and, and the change will be for the good. Well, why is that necessarily going to happen? They might, they might decide, well, damn it, we're going to spend the next 10 years rebuilding our military so we can try this again in 10 years. I mean, that's happened throughout I'm, history. Walter's saying that he's imagining we like push Russia completely out of Ukraine. Is that the scenario? Like we yes. just defeat them? Yes. Yeah, well, and, uh, I, I just, and, I would like to point something out. Uh, you know, it's like, I mean, first of all, do you know if he's, you know, people are saying this. Liz Truss, the foreign secretary of Britain, said, we want to, I mean, I can find the exact quote here and say, we, meaning now Britain is uh, apparently adopting this um, as a goal. We want to uh, push, I'll get the quote in a second, but we want to push them out of, uh, oh, quote, push Russia out of the whole of Ukraine. Now, if she means the part of the Donbass they were occupying as of a couple of years ago and Crimea, okay, first of all, good luck when almost everyone in Crimea doesn't want you there. They do want Russia to, to control it, A. And, and, and B, this is, Putin would see this defeat on that scale as an existential threat, not to Russia, but to his regime. Because, because but, but, but let's ponder the implications of that, okay? You got this guy who's already been told, like, you know, if, you, if we ever get our hands on you, you're going to be tried as a war criminal, basically. And he's in. He thinks he's now in danger of being deposed as Russia's leader. Then God knows well, that, what happens. That leads to the. That leads to the second point, which is the nuclear threat. Everybody's realizing. Among others, yes. We're 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 we're, we're glibly. You know, you read these articles by uh, by people like uh, Elliot Cohn, and they say, "Oh yeah, we should do these things. It'll it'll cause all these good changes in Russia. It'll weaken them." And oh yeah, there's the threat of nuclear war. We have to watch that carefully and manage it. And you know. No, Peggy Noonan wrote a very good column. There's another good column by Ed Luce saying, no, this is serious. This is potential for nuclear war, breaking the nuclear taboo. You know, we're, we're, we're headed willy-nilly to doing that. We should stop and think about it. And uh, so those two things, put those two things together, the, the, uh, the amping up of the war aims and, as the Ukrainians do well, and the nuclear threat as the Ukrainians do well. And I'm not sure I want the U Ukrainians to 100% do well on the battlefield anymore. Uh, it would be better for the world, maybe, if Russia won a couple and they were forced to negotiate. I would, I would add, there are also super bad things other than a nuclear attack that could happen. Like if Putin's back is really against the wall in the way we're describing, first of all, he could start really shelling Ukrainian cities for the purpose of killing civilians, which by and large he hasn't, he hasn't done. Uh, the, the shelling has, by and large, uh, been toward, uh, you know, it's been indiscriminate. This is the Russian way of war. That This is the way they do it. I, I mean, it, it's been imprecise and crude, but it's been directed at soldiers who were, you know, in cities. The, the uh, I mean, if he wants to just go berserk, you know, he can just make the, the city virtually uninhabitable. Um, and he can do a lot of things. He can extend the war to NATO. And then it may ultimately become nuclear. All kinds of trouble can ensue. And now, now I would just say, you know, it, it, it's it's not just Liz Truss, uh, the the British Foreign Secretary. Um, you are hearing more and more in Ukraine. Understandably, you know, our goal is to expel them completely from the country. But also, look at what's happening on the American side. 
You had Lloyd Austin, the defense secretary, go to Ukraine. And when asked by the press, he said, yeah, our goal is to weaken Russia sufficiently so that they can't do something like this again. Well, you know, at the beginning of this, people like Glenn Greenwald, who said, I think America's goal is to is this really a proxy war. They just want to want to weaken Russia. You know, they were they were uh, ridiculed, laughed at. Um, that's kind of what that sounds like. And now Biden wants 20 billion in military aid on top of the 3.7 billion. And if, if he's not going to attach any strings to that, like if he's not going to say to Ukraine, OK, we're going to give this money. But for example, I'm just just an example. But if you get up to that, uh, the, the boundary within Donbass, uh, where on the other side is the territory that Russia has been in effect occupying for years, you got to stop and say, we're, we're ready for a ceasefire to do peace talks. Right. You got to do that. If Biden is not attaching any strings like that. And we give them $20 billion worth of military aid. Uh, a lot of bad shit could happen. And, um, you know, I, I look, I'm, I'm torn because you want Russia to be defeated in principle because they violated international law. You don't want them to get any positive reinforcement. But at the same time, you know, nuclear war is super bad, I hear. Um, no, I'm, I'm, uh, uh, is, is, is it your impression that Austin spoke? Uh, he was officially speaking policy. We were intentionally amping up our aims, or he misspoke. David Sanger wrote a piece um, saying it was actually planned, right? And, and 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 the point was to demonstrate our resolve to Russia. Well, okay, but I think everyone acknowledges. I I, I think even Sanger acknowledged this in the piece that. There was a downside, which is that you're just totally playing into Putin's hands narrative-wise. Uh, you know, he wants to, he wants Russia to view this as an existential threat to the country because he sees it as an existential threat to his regime. He wants them to be convinced that NATO is after Russia and this plays right into his hands. But according to the people who were leaking to Sanger, well, okay, but the upside of saying this was we'll demonstrate our resolve. Look. There's tons of ways to signal resolve, okay? Like, for example, if, if, you, if you went to Congress and said, give us something that authorizes Biden to release X hundred million dollars per week until hostilities end, okay? That would, be, that would be a way to incentivize Russia to wrap the thing up and signal to them that, you know, a long war is not good for them. There's all kinds of ways. Isn't that what Biden is doing? No, he's just, he just wants the 20 billion, then you hand it to you. I mean, I don't know. It'd be, it'd it, be it, interesting if it'd be interesting if Congress authorizes it and he delays shipping the arms to Ukraine because he wants to negotiate with them, which is of course what Trump got impeached for. Right. Uh, um, yeah. Maybe he'll maybe Biden will demand that they hush up the Hunter Biden thing or he's not going to give them the weapon. Um that, that you may by, be by honest the way, there, is, there, Bob. Uh, that's another simmering, <laughs> simmering thing is that the Durham thing drags on, I guess. Uh, but um, yeah, the, so anyway, uh, what else is there on Ukraine? Um, I mean, look, the Russians apparently, on the other hand, um, I mean, I'm just worried that this goes on forever. Every week it goes on, things get, get out of control. Plus, every week it goes on, people are dying right there in Ukraine. The country's becoming uh, more and more deeply damaged. 
uh, relations between Russia and the West are becoming more damaged, which in the long run is not a great thing. And 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 just quickly, you know, last few days the Russians seem to be well, doing well in the Donbass. Well, the the um, David French linked to some general who's who's uh, gave an update, and basically Russia's big strength is artillery. So they they just they they fire shells and they like chase everybody. You know, the troops have to leave. Okay, so then they send so then they send their troops into the area that is cleared by the artillery and their troops aren't that good. So the Ukrainians then come back because they can outmaneuver the, the uh, ineffective Russian troops. But, uh, and if Ukrainians ever got artillery, artillery and we're rushing it to them as fast as we can, uh, then they could stop the Russia's great strength, which is they could pinpoint the, where the artillery has come from. And so yeah, that's, but you the, that's the situation on the ground. Russia is taking territory but it's not at all clear that it's permanent. Right. But, you know, artillery fire is, I mean, I think there are, there is such a thing as artillery cells that are actually smart guided weapons, but I think for the most part, it is relatively indiscriminate. And so you, you're going to wind up with the Ukrainians uh, killing more civilians too. And it's, it's just, it's an ugly situation. It, it's true what, what you're saying. I mean, apparently Russia has just a low ratio of infantry to armor. And we've slowly been surprised to find out that, like, their infantry vehicles in Ukraine are not even filled to capacity. Like, they, they don't even. Well, this guy know, said they were trying to they were trying to run tanks with two people when you really need three. Well, not just the tanks, but the infantry vehicles that can house right. I don't know whatever, like you know, two drivers, six infantry guys yeah. have like two or three infantry guys. And right. and uh, anyway, it's but but it looks like. The Russians are making gains in the Donbass, and I do, you know, I don't know if there's any chance. I I don't think there's any chance of them securing control of all of Luhansk and Donetsk by May 9th, Victory Day in in Russia. But if they did, I think Putin would say, "Okay, we're ready to talk peace." And look, it would be nice just to have a ceasefire. I think, um, but. Um that's why I'm not sure who I'm rooting for. Well, um, yeah, it, it's a, it's a very, it's a very well, great. Scene. I have a digression about Turkey. Turkey is playing both sides. Uh, you know, they're 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 basically triangulating between NATO and Russia. Why are they in NATO? They're not. Well, we because we thought they were a valuable Cold War asset, and uh, they made the decision to to throw in with our side. I don't I don't really know the history very well. Um, they are an anomaly. We, they're, they're we the share one country, all NATO secrets with them? I don't think we do, actually. I don't know how that works. Um, I mean, uh, you know, they, they antagonized us a few years ago by buying some weapons from Russia, I think. Um, but uh, I don't know. Oh, I don't know. Okay. I mean, also, um, once I, I think with, with NATO, once somebody's in, it's very hard to kick people out. Okay. Uh, well, um. Byron York has a pretty good column pointing out that what the press is focused on instead of the imminent threat of the nuclear taboo being broken is the January 6th investigation and, and Kevin McCarthy. And I just don't understand the story. Why is it a scandal that Kevin McCarthy got really pissed off at Trump on January 6th when the Congress was ransacked by a mob and made all sorts of things about how he's going to 
protestations about how he was going to tell Trump to resign and maybe we could invoke the 25th Amendment. And he, he did all the things that he was supposed to do because he's supposed to be pissed off, according to the January 6th commission. And then he gets cold feet when he calms down and, and starts sucking up to Trump again. Why is that such a big deal? It's which, obvious. Which part obvious, of it? Which part been, of it? Either you know, part. It's been obvious for months, ever since January 6th, that that's exactly what happened. So now they have tapes to show that that's what happened. So fucking what? Well, the first part is scandalous within Trump, the Trumpist base, because the Trumpist base has a nearly religious devotion to Trump. And so this is sacrilege. That's that. I, I didn't they realize. They don't seem all that upset. Well, the, the New York Times is upset. The base is not upset. So New York Times is upset about this, but we knew he got cold. They feet, think it's some we? big scandal. They have the they you know they caught him in a lie. He lied. He said I never said it, and he had said it. So oh, I see. Well, uh, I mean, of course, the New York Times is going to go after him if they catch him in what they can say is a it's, lie. It, it's just the January sixth commission is flailing around with these. They have a variety of guns that are not 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 smoking guns. They're not even guns. They're like toy guns, and they're dishing them out to reporters, and the reporters are keeping up the drumbeat of non-stories. And it's just tedious. If they have the goods, they should come up with the goods. Um, uh, anyway, yeah, that's, not what, that's I mean, not what. There's evidence but, they can't get their hands on, like the missing phone calls from Trump. But yeah, well, that'd be useful. But be nice. uh, the uh, the the key thing about McCarthy is he's stupid. You have to constantly keep that in mind. Okay. And the question is, is 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 the fact that he's dumb an asset or a or a debit uh and i think it's an asset i mean paul ryan was smart he was a constant threat to subvert the republican agenda on the uh at the behest of donors mccarthy is sort of dumb if the base tells him to do something he's going to have to sort of do it so uh i don't mind mccarthy uh that's uh uh the now and what it, about the the is the uh, is the Durham investigation there are any any changes there? I mean the uh... I haven't followed it. There've been a variety of stories saying now Durham is closing in. These the pincers are I you know but I I don't yes the there was a there was there was a conspiracy to feed bogus information to the FBI, mm -hmm. uh, but again. You know, there was a reason why they were so desperate they were feeding misinformation to the FBI is because they thought Trump was compromised, okay? And I can't say they were completely crazy to think Trump was compromised. So I- That's, I, I, that's I don't, a surprisingly uncynical theory about democratic motivation from you. Well, they also wanted Hillary to be elected, but, but they were, a lot of this happened after Trump had won the election. So they were determined to like, not have him take office because you know they they were and, and, and I, you know I still think there's a mystery there why is Trump so nice to Putin so, so I can't you, say they're crazy I just so can't, I, I can't, can't get all as excited about it as my colleagues on the right I heard a great cynical theory uh, because it implicated Jake Sullivan in a dark plot um, but it was you know uh, named Scott Horton I think he's on local radio there isn't he. I don't know his name. No, he's on. He's on like the Pacifica station in Southern, which I doubt you listen to much. But actually, sometimes I overshoot the NPR station and wind up on the Pacifica station, and then twist it, and then go into overdrive they, trying they to get out of there. Right? They sometimes have better music. Well, you would and, like, and sometimes, parts. sometimes somebody I know is on there. 
So I think his show is on K something, uh, but uh, he also has the the podcast, the interviews, wherever the radio show is, the interviews show up in the podcast. And, I, and, you know, he's one of these libertarian guys. My intersection with him is that he's anti-war. Um, but he had a fellow libertarian talking about this and uh, they, they were, and I couldn't tell whether they were kind of whacked out or what, but this guy was saying that the real fun kind of, well, I, I wasn't listening that closely, but the idea was that after the, after Hillary loses, they, the, the Hillary people came to believe this is conjectural, presumably, but came to believe that they could get Trump impeached. It wasn't over yet. And, and so they fanned the flames of Russiagate. And that's when they started leaking the Alpha Bank uh, story to Frank Four. And, 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 and that's when, uh, you know, a lot of this stuff continued to unfold. Anyway, this guy who, did, who seemed pretty smart, the, the guest on the Horton show, who's clearly, you know, as, as knows the intelligence community, has worked on this stuff a lot and is maybe a little conspiratorial in nature. Uh, but he said, when you look at this operation, just from the outside, it was very sophisticated, the operation being done uh, by the Clinton people. I, and I think one example was this Mark Sussman guy who, has he been indicted by Durham for lying yes. to the FBI? Okay, so just the fact that, uh, well, he was just one of a lot of degrees of separation. He was just pointing out that, like, if you look at the guys in Russia who were gathering the stuff, they didn't know who they were ultimately working for. There was there was a lot, and and it's not even clear that, Sussman knew everything. He said, in this way, I think it was a very sophisticated operation. They really had to be thinking it through. He said, who could have been running this thing? Jake Sullivan. And I'm, I'm all for demonizing Jake Sullivan, but, but, but I, don't, I, I have no idea whether this is a valid way of doing it. Um, it's, I think he was involved in some, in some aspects of it, but you'd think if it was really sophisticated, they would want to uh, keep people, people like him, keep their noses clean. Uh, but uh, but there was no hope of getting Hillary as president. Their ho the only hope was that they would get Pence, right? They weren't going to rerun the election. That's a good. That's a good point. So <laughs> I, was, I, I I I I'm pretty sure I characterized what they said accurately. You know, it could be a kind of a crude payback thing. Like uh, I mean, look, there's no doubt that the Democrat well, there was a lot of momentum in the Democratic Party behind impeachment, even though what you said is true. You don't get a Democratic president. You get a more capable version of but that Trump. was later. But that was later. I think at the beginning they were worried that Trump would be awful and the and worst of all, he might succeed. What maybe, if he maybe you know, it was patriotic, he, you know? They thought they could save I the think country. There's always from an Trump. element of patriotism. Yeah. I agree. However much it may not look like it. But um anyway. Anyway, the January 6th commission is not going to save the Democrats. It's now it became clear to me this morning. What is what the Democrats' best hope of saving themselves by the midterm is? What is that? Trump. If Elon Musk lets Trump back on Twitter and he proceeds to make a fool of himself and make it all about him, that drives this, turnout, this that isn't drives about the Democrats. Turnout. This isn't about the Democrats. This is about Trump and vindicating Trump and maybe even vindicating my claims about the 2020 election. Uh, that's their best hope. So they really want to secretly be urging Musk to let him back on. Now, that's interesting. 
Because then that way you could wind up with one of these conspiracy theories about this all being a Silicon Valley plot to help the Democrats. Um, but, uh, I, but, but what about 2024? Is, is it possible what you're saying is true, and yet Trump getting back on Twitter could make him more likely to be president? Well, if he blows the midterms, I think it makes him less likely to be president. My, uh, if mm -hmm. he manages to show the discipline to hold his fire, until the Democrats lose Congress, until the Republicans win Congress, that sort of implies that maybe he's grown up at, at a tender age of 70, whatever. But uh, it, so it- Oh, he it, wishes. Um, so Trump on Twitter drives Democratic turnout? And, and it just reminds people what they didn't like about him and why they voted for Biden. And uh, it makes, it, you know, it, 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 it takes, the, 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 the Republicans have four mm -hmm. killer issues. It attracts attention from crime and immigration and wokeness and education and uh, whatever the fourth one was. Uh, so it, it just, it, it'd be incredibly stupid, but he's done incredibly stupid things before in Georgia. That's why we're, that's why the Republicans are in this mess in the Senate because they managed to blow two winnable seats in Georgia. So uh, he can blow some more. So quickly, um... What uh, what you take on the French election? That has happened since we last talked, right? Yes. Uh, there's there's an article I should read that John Ellis uh, referred to that I will read by the parrot room. Uh, but you know the best, the most pro populist take I saw of it was from Eric Kaufman, this British scholar who pointed out, look, there, this is an era when all the anti-populist issues were salient, Ukraine in particular, is not an issue that the populists look good in, good on because they're on the other side, a lot of them. Mm -hmm. And yet they still got 42% of the vote. So, mm -hmm. hey, uh, there's a long-term issue here, uh, which um, dovetails with my overarching theme that I wanted to talk about either here or in the parrot room, which is, you know, uh, Joel Kotkin wrote a, wrote a, a piece for a spectator about how the boomers have screwed the succeeding generations because uh, in no country does the, do the younger generations think they're going to earn more than their parents. Uh, so the boomers are doing well, the, the Gen Xers and Gen Zers are not doing well. Um, and it, but it, it, what it convinced me was in no country in the world are people happy. Mm -hmm. You know, name a country where but people look to the future and says, hey, God, I'm so happy to be in this country. We're heading for a glorious future. And France, you would think France would be the country that we're doing the best. They, they have tough trade policies. They've kept a lot of their industrial base that they don't deserve to have. They have a sort of communitarian tradition of, of people you know, working in local bakeries and having a valued place in the community. And, and even, even France is riven with populist discontent. Uh, so what hope is there for us? Well, have they ever been like a super happy people? I mean, ennui is a French word after all. Well, they did, they did, and they did make this, uh, big in retrospect mistake about, uh, immigration, uh, which was, you know, not a mistake they made recently. It was a mistake sort of built into the French empire, which is everybody in the French empire was a Frenchman and they all were allowed to go back to France. Um, which had a cultural diluting effect, but uh, 
that's a good question. I don't know. My impression is the French uh, sort of, they had it right. They, you know, they, men could have mistresses, you know, solve that problem. Uh, <laughs> I got that from your book, Bob. Yeah, that was the main I'm, point of the book. I'm reminding you of your pre-feminist past. Oh man, um, I was I was on the podcast with this young Indian guy this week, and he really grilled me on that book. He like he like he's a great guy. Uh, you know, he's God, he's maybe like twenty something. He's somewhere in India. He wanted me to be on his podcast, and uh, but he like he went and found the most embarrassingly like morally conservative parts of a book I wrote like thirty years ago, and uh, and and pulled him out. And it was I was kind of squirming. But, Changed uh, my life, Bob. Yeah, that well, that it explains the mystery. Not necessarily right? for the better. No. Um, so and, anyway, I, I, I don't know. It's a very good question. I also, I also claim that I thought the Japanese were happy, and apparently that's not true. Nobody's happy, man. The world is going through a turbulent. Well, so the so the phase. interesting question is, if you wanted to, if you were a leader and you wanted to restore, let's say, America's faith in the future. Mm -hmm. what would you tell people? Where where are we going? Are we going to the moon? Are we going to outer space? Are we going to Mars? It, is, it, the obvious thing is, you know, we're going to have breakthroughs in, in biochemistry that are make, let us live to 200. That's, that's not nothing. That's a good thing to go for. I would say, I, I would not get reelected on this. But, I mean, or elected on this basis. But what I would say is, uh, it is America's. I believe this to, in a, in almost in a sense, be true. It, 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 it is America's destiny. Not that we will take advantage of this, but it is America's uh, destiny to lead the world across the threshold to world community, an era of enduring peace and rule of law internationally, and justice, and so on. We are uniquely positioned to do it. I mean, we were super uniquely positioned to do it at the end of the Cold War. We did, you know, roughly the opposite. Okay, but um, but that, that, that would be my pitch. How does that make my life as an American better? Yeah, it's nice. We're well, talking future. about inspiring people. I mean, I mean, I would also subsidize hostess Twinkies. I don't know. You want me to just like what? I thought you wanted inspiration. I want people to feel that their future is bright. You know, and they're yeah, and well, they're, they're living right. for a purpose. World peace. Global yeah. Concord, no more stupid wars. Uh, oh, also, you know, uh, chicken in every pot. Uh, no more stupid wars. I think that was the fourth plank. You hit on. Um, so um, I don't know. I think right. Uh, you know, my line is right now they're looking down the barrel of the Michael Young pathway, where society is going to be increasingly divided on invidious meritocratic terms. If they don't have skills and smarts. They're totally fucked and they're going to be thrown on the ash heap of history and reduced to a, a state of welfare dependence where they enjoy a lot of consumer goods, but they yeah. don't really have a purpose in life. And even a lot of people who are smart and are now doing jobs, their jobs are going to be taken by AI. So they're not, they're not you, looking, you they're not looking to... at a very happy future either. What is you know, the industrial jobs have gone overseas? So what is there to look forward to? And the answer is has to be we're, we're somehow re we re artisanizing and we're, we're we're holding the forces of production at bay and and having some sort of uh uh regulated uh economy where people have a role even people who are stupid and even people who are unskilled 
Well, you do have to address these problems. And one thing I'd say is that some of them are best addressed, uh, you know, internationally uh, through through coordinated international policy. But um, yeah, you, you do. I mean, I, I could I could imagine, you know, doing a whole platform to address that stuff. Uh, but um, and even Chi even China's having these problems, even though they got all our industrial jobs there. They're, they have people who must be a very tiny minority, but they got a lot of press in the lie flat movement who are, are resisting the, the meritocratic rat race of China. Yeah, well, actually, the time, when I was over in China, bat, last time things were going well, like maybe between us and them, because it was about 12 years ago, but I was at a positive psychology conference. We did actually have, went on Chinese TV. Did you have coffee with, coffee with Xi? I had I had coffee tea with she tea with she. Okay. Uh, no, but we it was several of us like Americans went on Chinese TV. I don't know if it ever aired or went on at three a.m. But but their big what we talked about was what was a big concern at that point. Uh, you know, this was a positive psychology conference, and and the big concern was you know how do people find meaning? Okay, we're getting more wealth, we're getting more material well-being. But how do people find meaning? That was like an official concern of the government. This is just P. Xi, P. Xi Jinping, pre Xi Jinping. Uh, but um, no, it's it's a concern. I mean, they got various problems, well, including this, a birth rate. This, this would be a particular solution to their problem. But I sort of poo pooed on the idea that natalism and having people having more children would give them meaning where otherwise they don't have meaning, uh, and would solve this problem of people not. Not thinking that uh, that they the future is is very appealing, and then I thought, well, maybe it would work, and this is why it would be a terrible Wait, talk radio talk. I wish having you watch having, having more kids? children. If if people is if people in China had three children instead of one child, maybe they would feel that their meaning problems are solved. If people in America had more children, maybe they think, hey, I have no future at work, and my children have no future, but hey, I can boss them around for twenty years. You know, also it just, a it just absorbs it just absorbs you. It just gives you less time to have existential despair. Uh, but um, you know, and it gives you you're investing in the future. Sure, there's a lot of benefit. I mean, as for China, though, the government is saying, Will you please have three kids? And they're saying no thanks. They have a problem. Right. Well, that that was my original sense was that uh that not having children is a symptom as opposed to a cure. As opposed to the, you know, as something that if you look, we have that, it we have that problem. I mean, the, the millennials, uh, and some and some of them say the world of the future looks too bleak to bring children into. I don't know if that's the actual reason of not having a lot of kids, but what they say. I doubt that that's the actual reason. Yeah, who knows? But there is this very simple explanation, which some of my Twitter followers have suggested, which is uh, the pill gave women control of the means of reproduction and. Women have never wanted to have a lot of children. And once they had the, the switch, they switched it from six to one or two. So uh, uh, that, that one's sort of hard to refute because it does seem to be happening everywhere in the world, except for Africa. Yeah, I mean, as, as economic development proceeds, yeah. Uh, so um, we, we're, we're, we're appreciably over an hour. We should start talking. Well, we just talked about my big thick topic. Your what topic? My big think topic. That was it? That was? That was it. Natalism? The bleak future. Nobody is happy. We can talk and, more about and, the bleak and future. And is natalism the cure? We can talk more about the bleak future. 
But what are okay. we going to talk about in the Parrot Room at patreon.com slash Parrot Room? We haven't talked at all about the virus. There's some oh, yeah. things to say. Okay. Uh, we ha haven't talked about... Uh, well, I, I, I wanted to bring up Jeffrey Goldberg. That's always a... That always... It always yeah. gets our juices going. Um, there's uh, uh, there, there's an update on, uh, bizarrely, I have two threats that I worry about, and I wasn't worried about immigration. I was worried about the child tax credit. It turned out they've done a big do, -si -do. Immigration is back, maybe. Um, great. I haven't talked about that in a minute or two. That's great. Uh-huh. And, and then we have the exciting topic, and this is really going to be a boring one. They have the exciting topic of disparate impact, Bob. Oh, Mickey, please. Why, why, well, you grilled me last week, and I said I would bone up on it, and, and so I would know more when I would talk about it this time, and I know a little more now. Mm. So uh, the question is, the question is why, uh, why is it a violation of civil rights laws for, uh, for firms to use... Uh, a college degree as to filter out employees. Mm. The answer is really bizarre. Okay, well, that's good. We have bizarre stuff, folks. Um, well, what do you have? Uh, what do I have? Uh, I want to talk a little, you know, for much of this war, the false flag accusations have been against Ukraine, specifically the Azov Battalion, stuff in Mariupol. There's... Now, lately, they've been against Russia. I mean, first of all, a lot of people think this thing that happened in this Moldovan breakaway uh, place, trans, what is it, Transnistia or something? Um, the the uh, is one, but 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 what's gotten less attention is these two explosions in uh, what is it? Uh, well, I'll have the name by the time of the parrot room. Th this there was an allegation that Russia in Russia, okay, two oil depots in the same city, Bryansk or something, go up in flames. And there was an allegation that that was a, a false flag attack by them. And the weird thing is, there's evidence of it on Twitter uh, that I want to talk about that that precedes the attacks, okay? And well, don't people a, think that Putin blew up two apartment buildings filled with Russians? In, in the an 90s. Attempt to, in the yeah, 1990s, so yes. He's that's capable why. of much worse. Totally. If you believe that. Totally. The question is, what would the game be? Anyway, I want to go over the evidence, which is intriguing. And it's, I don't know. I don't know. You got to make something of it. I want to talk about that. Uh, I want to talk about, I finished the, the book, uh, the kind of memoir of uh, Bill Burns, who, William Burns, who is director of the CIA. I want to complain a little about that. I kind of hoped for... Uh, a less, slightly less blobbish take from him because he's relatively unblobbish. He does use the term blob derisively, God bless him, but uh, in the book a couple of times. But um, that does not absolve him of the accusation of being part of it. Uh, I want to, um, I've got a little more Glenn Campbell trivia. There's, oh, yeah. We can talk about whether it's, worth us watching this Tucker Carlson thing about testosterone and the end of men. I have some thoughts on that. Okay. Having watched the trailer. Um, the, uh, Oh, and Tucker's running for president. We can talk about that. For sure he is. 
he's headlining some event in Iowa. Well, no, but but he's he's making enough noises. He's, he's testing the water. He's, he's 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 testing enough waters to get himself a lot of publicity. Yeah, uh, the publicity could be the explanation. Of course, that's what they said about Trump for a while. Um, so uh, I also was going to ask you if you in the parrot room if you have anything to say about the transition of power at the New York Times, which we have not talked about. I don't know. I don't know anything about Joseph Kahn or anything, but maybe you have something to say. Do you? Don't tell I us have what something it is. Trivial to say. There's um. There's a. There's more Madison Cawthorn sex scandals. Oh, good. There's Cawthorn there's uh. Sex. There's actually a Tucker Carlson semi-sex thing. Not not involving him, but he accused somebody else of having uh doing strange things with his penis, Bob. With Tucker's penis or no, with this other guy's penis. It'd be better if it was Tucker's penis. Uh anyway, I don't know what it is, but we can talk about it. Okay. Uh if it's what you say, I love it. Um, um the uh or we can talk about disparate impact. We can talk about penis talk about, or disparate impact. Let's talk about penises. Um okay. the uh and then I just started watching Station Eleven. Don't have anything to say. You're not watching that, are you? You know, no, I have one thing to say about it, though, okay. having attempted we'll, to start we the book. glancingly touch on that. Uh, this is plenty, I think. There's one rock star I want to talk about. Don't name him. That would keep people from paying the money uh, that would get them into the parrot room at patreon.com slash parrot room. Don't tell them. Don't tell them. Who is it? Oh. What was that? Is the parrot talking? The parrot named the rock star. Not very articulately. Nico. Nico. <laughs> uh, I'm guessing Nico. Okay. So that's uh, that's about it. We'll see folks in the parrot room. Okay. Okay. See you there.